Preparing to live stream the meeting. What? I wonder if I have to go on the Facebook page. Probably, right? Wait, wait, business page. So. All right, Wes, so what do you see on your end? Um, same thing I always see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you on the big screen and me on the little screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see here. All right. So, because I, I think um, all the captions are up. Let's see. I don't know if I want captions or not. Let's see. Let's see. I'm generating captions, turning captions off because they can barely understand what I'm saying. Let's see if I want captions or not. Okay, interesting. Oh, we have that. Share to your story. I'm doing captioning. Turn captions off. So they can barely understand what I'm saying. See what I just did there. Okay. Interesting. Share. Share to your story. Yeah. Making new screen. Let's see. Oh, cool. All right. Yes. Let's see. Yes. Let's see. All right. So you still see him on the screen, right, Wes? Yep. Okay, cool. I got the Facebook Live up on the, over, on the other screen here, so. All right, what do you see there? Just a split screen with both of us. All right, perfect. Yep. Oh, let's see how this goes. All right, so you still see him on the screen, right, Wes? Yep. Okay, cool. I got the Facebook Live up on the over, on the other screen. All right. So. All right. What do you see there? Let me get you. Just a split screen, both of us. All right. Sir. Yep. 
It's there. All right. Let's see how it goes. Okay, so I see it there. Let's see. Do 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 all right, looks like I got my screen on here. All right, so it looks like we are live. All right, perfect. Awesome, 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 awesome. Now I got like literally three screens here. So I'm like, which screen should I be looking at? So I guess I'll look at the one that's real time because I think Facebook is uh, delayed a few seconds. So I'll look at the one that's actually real time. So, all right, perfect. So, you know how we start the show? Five o'clock, people. Get up, dance, stretch it out. Enjoy your favorite cocktail. It can be alcohol, not alcohol, whatever you're feeling, right? Ooh, looks like we're translucent again. All right, shout out to. Alter Ego Abyss on this track. We'll make sure to tag him in the social media profiles, all that good stuff. So without further ado, before we start the show, I am super, I don't know if you guys can see me. Let me jump out again. Jump out. And then jump back in. Let me jump out. <laughs> and then jump back in. And let me jump out. And jump back in. Oh, yes, it worked. Hey, there you Three are. times a charm. Three times a charm. So before we kick off today's show, we want to obviously acknowledge the fact that it is Memorial Day weekend and Monday is Memorial Day. So we want to take this opportunity to remember our brave soldiers and our heroes that made the ultimate sacrifice so we get to enjoy the freedoms and the liberties of this great country. So we definitely want to take this opportunity to, to remember those uh, fallen soldiers and heroes. So I definitely do that this Memorial Day. All right, let me jump back out. Let me jump back in and jump back out and jump back in. Jump out out. All right, one more time. Oh, my hands totally disappeared. Oh man. Okay, looks like it's happening. Looks like it's happening this way. Okay. All right. I, I'm good under pressure. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So it's episode eight, and we're doing a special. It's live episode eight of uh, Real Talk with Coach Q and Broker West. All right. Perfect. Well, at least you can see one of us very clearly. So I mean, I guess that's a good sign there, right? <laughs> All right, so quick introductions. Uh, my name is Kieran McGlory. I am a realtor. I'm also a coach where I get to help agents grow successful businesses with accountability, structure, and all that good stuff. And now I'm going to let Wes do a quick introduction of himself and why he's so great. Hey, everybody. This is Wes Oliver, also known as Broker Wes. Thank you for having me again. And I am a mortgage broker who gets to help uh, families understand the best options for financing to fit into their overall financial picture. And you can also call me the money man, the finance guy, the finance guru. Welcome. 
All right, perfect, Wes. Well, as long as people can see at least one of us, I think we're at least we're going on the right point, right? <laughs> there we go. All right, yes, absolutely for sure. So maybe I'll come in color sometime in the show. I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes, but at least you guys can hear me. <gasps> Look, I'm back on. I'm gonna hold my breath and see how long this goes. <laughs> All right, perfect. So what we like to start the show is we like to talk about uh, one of the very first things: leadership. Now, some of you guys may know I'm a certified John Maxwell coach, uh, speaker, and trainer. And uh, what I like to talk about is the difference between being an expert and growing a person, right? Because obviously being a coach and also being in a leadership position, you know, sometimes we're designated as experts, right? And the thing is, you know, when you're an expert, you want to continually grow, right? Because sometimes when you're an expert, you just kind of stop growing, right? People put this title on you and you feel that you just know everything, right? So as an expert, you're just talking all the time, not really growing, not really learning, not really, you know, expressing yourself, right? So what I want you to do, instead of you becoming an expert, become a continuously growing person, because that's truly how you're going to not only empower others, but empower yourselves. And as a true leader, leaders lead by example, right? So I just wanted to share that difference between being an expert and being a growing person. And Wes, what would you like to take on that? Yeah, so I completely agree. And being an expert is great, but it's also still about being open to being coached by other people, you know, because even experts don't know everything. There's still more to learn. And so you want to make sure that you keep yourself in a position where you're open to learning, you know, um, no matter how good Michael Jordan got, no matter how good Tom Brady gets, they never fired the coaches. They never stopped working out. They never stop watching film. There's always something else that you can learn from and do better and get better. And besides that, the ones who are coming up behind you who want to take your place, they're going to be working and they're going to be hungry. So you definitely have to keep putting that work in and be open to the coaching and open to more learning. You're not perfect. You don't know everything. You might know a lot, but you don't know everything. So there's always something new to learn. Absolutely. I love that. So definitely give it up for that. Always sharing great information, always sharing great content, all that good stuff. Now, for some of you guys may know that, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal and I read old school. You know, I actually I still read the newspaper. So I'm definitely one of those people that still read the newspaper. I know I'm old, but hey, I still enjoy it. Right. So one of the things we want to talk about today on today's main event, we want to talk about Facebook, allowing Facebook and Instagram, allowing you to hide likes. Right. And I wanted to open it up as a forum. So please, you know, definitely input. You know, what you think, you know, do you think, you know, hiding likes is a good idea? Do you think hiding likes is a bad idea? You know, I definitely want your take on it. And before Wes and I get into such discussion, I just want to uh, cover some of the, uh, the talking points in, in the Wall Street Journal. Now, uh, Facebook and Instagram will begin allowing users to hide like counts on their posts, even after pilot tests of the feature didn't show meaningful impact on how people use the platforms or feel, them, feel about it themselves. Right. But one of the reasons why they decided to do this is because just on reports, like, you know, obviously, you know, younger people, not just younger people, even older people, you know, suffering from social anxiety, uh, 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 depression, and in some cases, even, you know, even community suicide, just based off of the, the lack of likes or engagement that they're getting on their posts. So for me, you know, reading this article, and seeing how it could definitely affect a person's 
uh, mental state in in terms of posting on social media because i gotta be honest with you you know what i mean sometimes when i post something you know and i'm thinking that it's fire i'm thinking like it's gonna be great and all of a sudden i'm not getting the results that i thought i was gonna get i do feel a certain way i do feel a certain way right but you know having the ability to to hide your likes i think that will definitely cause more people to be open to post whatever they want and not necessarily thinking about, is this going to be a hit? Is this going to be viral? Do other people care about this? Right? Because at the end of the day, you know, your social media should really be expression of yourself, you know, who you are, what you choose to post. So what do you think, Wes? What's your take on it? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, and, and I hope that enough people have the uh, self-reflection to use that when they need it. Uh, kind of reminds me of a story I saw the other day regarding uh, the tennis pro Naomi Osaka, because uh, she basically said that she was going to remove herself from the uh, post, uh, post um, press conferences after her matches, because she just doesn't like how sometimes the reporters make her feel and make her question herself and whatnot. And she's going to pay a fine for doing that, by the way. But I think that's a great idea if you realize that it has that kind of impact on you. Uh, so much, you know, so many of us think that there's a weakness or something like that to removing yourself from, you know, public scrutiny that does not serve your purpose and does not, you know, benefit you. And it's not about being above critique, but understand that everybody that's on social media is not necessarily someone worthy of your attention in that particular way and a lot of times especially when we're talking about likes it's not that people don't like what you put up if they don't if you don't get likes it's also about engagement so i don't live on social media some people are on it like all the time constantly checking and so those people might see something and then you also have to deal with the algorithms sometimes you might post something and the majority of the people that are friends with you don't see it you know, or when it first popped up, they weren't on and they weren't looking and they didn't see it. So, and you're right, a lot of people do let that be a gauge for how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their knowledge, you know, because it's, it's about, for a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, it's about being cool, right? Yeah, absolutely. We all, we all want to feel like we're cool and valued and respected and whatnot. So bottom line is, if it's something for you, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a great idea to give people the option, you know, so if you are one of those people that put too much weight on, you know, the engagement you get on your social media, but you still want to participate, then yeah, absolutely. Unplug. Yeah, I like that. And that's definitely, you know, I definitely feel the same way for sure. So definitely. Yeah, so I think I'm going to try that out. I think once we actually have the option, I think I'm going to start hiding my life, you know, and definitely see if I notice a difference in terms of maybe the amount of times I log on to social media, uh, maybe the amount of times I actually post things on social media. And if I'm actually really thinking about, should I post this? How much engagement am I going to get out of it? You know, so I'm definitely going to try that out. So what do you guys think? Oh, you guys think that's a good idea? Okay, perfect. Well, I'm definitely going to try that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, perfect. Age is just nothing but a number, isn't it? Age that's what told just me. yeah, that's what Leah said. Shout out, yeah, absolutely, definitely one of my favorite. She was definitely one of my one of my crushes when I was a kid. So just saying, yeah. just saying with the 
with the with the with the eye thing, all that. That was yeah, that was that was all me. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why I brought up age is because I mean, some of you guys may not be golf fans. I mean, I'm not the biggest golf fan, but I do appreciate the sport, and I definitely have to talk about you know Phil Mickelson uh, being the oldest player to actually win the Masters at age 50. You know, so shout out to to Phil Mickelson on that. Yeah. So Wes, what is your take on that? Like, what makes you, you know, when you saw that happen, like, what what made you think about it? Yeah, just quick quick, quick correction. He won a major. It wasn't the Masters, but he oh, won a major. major. My apologies, there. major. PGA major. Championship. But um, major. Sorry, it's a major. Hey guys. Hey, hey, my mistake. It's a major. Sorry, major, major. All right. Uh, but I, I think that's great, and I think it's uh, another example of you know you're never too old to stop accomplishing. And you're never too old to stop growing. So if there's something that you want to do that you haven't done before, something you're interested in, you should do it anyway. You're going to keep aging whether you do it or not. Um, now, certain things, I wouldn't try to go become a UFC fighter at the age of 50. <laughs> but you can, man. I put that on my bucket list, man. That's definitely something I'm going to be doing at age 50. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but and just to relate it back to what we do, if you're somebody who wants to own a home and you haven't been able to do it yet, maybe you're 50 already, you know, you can still make that happen. There's no reason you can't. You just have to do the work to qualify and you can, you can become a homeowner at 50 and there's nothing wrong with that. It's never too late to start a legacy and to create a inheritance for your family. And here's the important part. As a loan officer, I can only discriminate regarding your age in two scenarios. One of those scenarios is if you're under the age of 18, because you have to be of legal age to be able to sign those documents. And the only other case is if I'm doing a reverse mortgage, because you have to be at least 62. Outside of that, we can't discriminate against you for age. So if you want to go get, if you want to buy a mansion at 80 years old, you can do that. As long as you can qualify for the loan, you're able to do that. So don't let that stop you. If it's something that you always wanted to do and something you always dreamed about, go for it. Absolutely. So let's, obviously, let's cheer for the for the homeowners. Absolutely. And you got to follow them as well, right? So I definitely love that. I mean, I love that. I don't think you're ever too old to do, to, to do anything. And hey, hey, you out there, if you want to be a UFC fighter by the age of 50, do what you want. You know what I mean? Do what you want. But I would definitely consult with the doctor first if you go into that for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, so shout out to, to Phil Mickelson on winning the Masters. The Masters, no. right? No. No, Majors. 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 He won a major. I believe he won, he won the uh, PGA Championship. PGA. Yes, he won the PGA Major. Yes, Championship. Yeah. Yeah, you can see you, you can see you can see how well versed I am in the uh, in the area of Quarter golf. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, but hey. I give credit though. I mean, I don't watch golf as often, but I do know who Phil Mickelson is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And one of the cool things I know that Phil Mickelson does is I believe like during the holiday times, he'll actually like, uh, I think he used to fill up a bunch of carts at like Target and all these stores and like donating the kids, you know, in San Diego. So, you know, shout out to Phil Mickelson on, on doing that stuff too. So, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. All right, perfect. So what's going on with the market, man? Huh? What is going on with the market? What is going on in the real estate market, Wes? What's happening? Okay, so I came across an article the other day about the decline in pending home sales. So here's just a couple bullet points from the article. Uh, so the pending home sales index, which is what they use to measure this, 
dropped by 4.4% from its March level in April. Now, we always tell you guys to look at things geographically because there's always going to be differences. So for people in California, that number is only, or for people in the West, that number is only 2.6%. So it dropped by 2.6%, right? So right now they're saying the drop does not bode well for existing home sales over the next few months. Part of the reason you can imagine is because have we, as we've been talking about week after week is how people will get discouraged if they can't find what they want in the market, right? right. So um, they said basically, well, Yun Chi, which is the economist, the chief economist for uh, NAR or Lawrence Young, I'm sorry, is the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. They said contract signings are approaching pre-pandemic levels due to lack of sufficient supply of affordable homes. So as we told you guys a few weeks ago, you know, people that are looking for homes in the higher ranges, they're fine because most people can't qualify for those homes. Where we're seeing the frenzy and where people are having the most challenges are, you know, the homes that are below a million dollars. So he expects that the supply of available homes will improve as soon as the autumn. And that's because the growing comfort that homeowners will have for allowing buyers to enter their homes. So like we said, if the pandemic numbers get better, mm -hmm. they'll feel better about putting their homes on the market and letting strangers walk through their home in order to sell it. And then also as the, um, the increase in listings goes up from the forbearances. So remember, we told you guys, we have to wait to see what's going to happen with all these people who are in a forbearance. But a lot of the people who are in forbearance right now, if they come out of the forbearance and they still cannot afford their home, like we said last week, you get to do an equity sale. You get to sell the home. So, you know, we're not rooting for people to lose their, you know, but be in a position where they have to sell their home. But that's just the reality. There are going to be, you know, more people who are in that position. And that's where we'll see more opportunity in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely, Wes, I mean, definitely like what you said about that, you know, and, and the thing is with, uh, you know, with the forbearance coming up, and I'm glad you brought that up because it was actually a discussion that I was talking with, with uh, my, my coaching agents, you know, and we we're talking about, you know, the forbearance, you know, and the thing is, like you said, I mean, we've seen an increase in equity from 2020, 2021, we're averaging about 8% or higher, you know, of equity increasing within 20 to 21. Right. And obviously, if a person has been in their house for like at least the last 10 plus years, they have definitely grown a substantial amount of equity. So the thing is, what I'm seeing is the people that are, are the, the people that most likely are planning to sell their house during the forbearance going up are people that most likely probably weren't looking at this house as a forever house. You know what I mean? These are people that are probably thinking about selling their house maybe the next one, two, or three years or so. And now because the forbearance is up, it's kind of just pushed their, their time frame up. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you know what? This was our condo. This was our starter home. Or this was just our up lake home. This wasn't our forever home. You know what I mean? So instead of selling in 2024, we're going to sell now. Instead of selling in 2023, we're going to sell now. So that's where I see uh, where we're going to see in terms of the people that are going to be opting this other house during for, uh, the forbearance people are going to be people like that. And then I love the fact that you brought up that we're going to see more home sales in autumn. 
you know, and I totally agree with you on that because as more people continue to be vaccinated, right, and we start to see the numbers drop, it's definitely going to cost people to be more comfortable about electing to put their home on the market for sale, right? Now, with Wes saying all this stuff, if you are a seller out there, do not wait until fall and autumn to actually sell your house, right? Because we know that if there is limited inventory, this is the best time and opportunity you have to sell your house for top dollar. Now, if you're a buyer, again, it's still not a great opportunity for you to wait, right? Because we've already noticed that interest rates have ticked up a little bit, right? And this is something I always share with my clients and I also share this with my coaching agents when they're, when they're talking to their clients. Break down the conversation from a worldview to its own singular view, meaning that what's best for the person sitting across from you? What's best from the person that you're talking to on the phone? What's best for the person that you're actually doing a Zoom meeting with, right? And it comes down to these three things. Can they financially afford a home now? Are they ready to take on a mortgage? Do they plan to live in this house for these three years, right? If they say yes to those things, then they're ready to move forward. So, all right. Anything else that you want to talk about regarding the forbearance talk? Yeah, so we're still seeing, um, not the forbearance. Not the forbearance part, but the market update. Yeah, so we're still seeing the highest inflation numbers in uh, the last two decades. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I've talked about this before. Inflation is not a good thing for rates, even though rates have not made a big jump jump to go up yet. Mm -hmm. We know eventually it's going to come. You know, and that also could be something that kind of slows the market a little bit as far as people in the market looking for a home. So again, one of the reasons why if you're a buyer right now, may not be the best time to wait because you still have an opportunity to finance at an all-time low interest rate. So still take advantage of that because like I said, these things are cyclical and we know eventually the rates will go back up as the Fed makes moves to slow down uh, inflation. And so you want to take advantage of that sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes me think of an old expression that I used to hear, uh, get why the getting is good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, I, that's what I always hear. It's like, get why the getting is good, right? And that's exactly the market that we're in. Uh, it's a winner's market, right? It's a winner's market. That's the type of market we're in. Because Wes and I have have been able to help a few of our buyer clients buy homes in this type of market, you know, and we definitely help people sell homes in this type of market. So it is a winner's market, right? It just depends on who you choose to hire, right? That's who you choose to work with matters, right? Like exactly what that's exactly what it means. So right, yeah. So definitely. All right. Also, when it, when it comes to the market update, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we've actually seen an uptick of off-market sales, you know? So we're seeing homes that are going, that are not even going on the market, you know, before people are actually buying them. So we've definitely seen an uptick with that, you know? And that's something that, you know, we've seen, you know, since the pandemic started and we're definitely seeing a lot of it now. A lot of that happens to do with the fact that we have so many qualified pre-approved buyers ready to go, right? So it's just a matter of, hey, if we could find a homeowner that's looking to sell their house and they have a price in mind. And if I can have a buyer that's willing to pay that price, you know, then we can make the, uh, we can make the transaction right there. We can make the agreement right there. So, I mean, I, I definitely see that that's going to be a continuous trend, 
you know, so we are most likely going to see more off-market sales. Maybe during autumn, that time when we see the market go, uh, when you see more of this pop up, maybe we'll see some of that off-market slow down a little bit. But what we know is that if we demonstrated already that we can sell homes off-market, you know, it's only a matter of time before homeowners ask you uh, for that type of option, right? Hey, my neighbor sold his house before coming on the market. Can you do that for me? Right? So this is something, a skill set, you know, as realtor, because if there's realtor watching this, right, take notes. This is definitely a skill set that you want to, uh, to know to put in your arsenal because you're going to have people that are going to ask you that, especially, you know, people talk, right? So it's like, hey, my neighbor sold his house without coming to market. I want to do the same thing. How could you make that happen, right? So that's definitely a conversation. It's definitely a skill set you want to learn. And if you're one of my coaching clients, you know, let's definitely set up a time to talk about that as well. So perfect. All right. Anything else regarding the market update, Mr. West? No, that should do it for this week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. So, City Spotlight today. So, if this is your first time watching the show, each episode, we always choose a city to spotlight. Now, this city holds a very special place in my heart because this city is the place I got my very first listing in the business. I got a land listing, not just any land listing. I got a land listing in the city of Silverado. Yes, the city of Silverado. So some quick facts about the city of Alvarado. It was uh, established in 1878 and uh, Silverado uh, average uh, medium income in Silverado is over over $103,000 in Silverado Canyon. And it also happens to be uh, one of the only places that you can actually get approved for, I believe you said it's a USDA loan. You know, so it's definitely one of those places as well. Average home price in Silverado Canyon is a little over 837000 uh, Average days on market, meaning that when a home comes on the market, how long it takes for it to sell is about 40 days. And currently today afternoon, there's about 14 homes available in the city of Silverado. And one other thing special about Silverado before I let Wes jump in and drop some information about Silverado Canyon, Cook's Corner. It happens to be one of their historical places in Silverado Canyon. It's definitely a place where there's a large gathering of uh, bikers or motorcyclists, whatever you like to call them. So, you know, if that's definitely your your ride there, maybe you're like a hog or whatever, you know, definitely check out uh, Silverado Canyon and go to Cook's, uh, Cook's Corner. Yeah. Um, so, so what I was able to find out, uh, basically, I didn't know this, their schooling is, they're under the Orange Unified School District. So most of the schools, you know, the junior high schools, elementary schools, uh, high schools will be available to you uh, from City of Orange. Uh, they have a Star Ranch Sanctuary, Star with two R's. And this is where they, uh, I think seventh graders, seventh graders and older can go. They have an ecology program as well as a junior biologist program, which is pretty cool. Yeah. They also have the Silverado's Children's Center. Um, in addition to that, they have the Majeska Community Center, which is pretty cool. They have a lot of stuff there for uh, like seniors. They have a ceramic club, Canyon Lunch Brunch, uh, Brown Baggers, that's all for seniors. Uh, they also have, among other things, uh, they have yoga and Pilates, that's available to everybody not just seniors yeah give it up for yoga give it up for yoga gotta stretch it out gotta stretch it out (laughs) uh then they have a fire explorers program for i believe uh 
from the age of 17 to 21, this is like some kind of training you can go through if you're looking to get into uh, firefighting as a career. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's a really small city, 2,000 population. So if you want to feel like you're in Mayberry, <laughs> which, hey, that small town feel is pretty cool for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so they only have 2,000 people in the population. Uh, and, of course, they have the concert series, which most cities do now. Uh, but, yeah, that's basically it. But And then, of course, you have all the other surrounding areas that you want to get into. Uh, so you don't have to just stay in Silverado, but... Like I said, if you want that small town feel amongst a bunch of large cities, there you go. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So definitely give it up for uh, Silverado, Silverado Canyon. And if you guys want any more information about Silverado Canyon, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to us because we'll definitely be able to give you all that good stuff about that city, you know, that started out my career with that land listing. I ended up getting three land listings and a listing house for sale in Silverado Canyon. That was pretty awesome, you know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely, definitely good memories of, of Silverado Canyon. So. And not to mention, it's like one street that goes through the Silverado, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Small town feel, like I said. Small town feel. Makes you think you're back in Bayberry, man. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. For sure, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Now, if this is your first time watching the show, this comes up to one of my favorite segments of the show, you know. It's called The West Files. <laughs> no music today, unfortunately. We don't, we don't want a copyright strike. <laughs> yeah, we <don't. laughs> yeah, we don't want that, man. You know, it actually happened to Wes and I before on a show that we used to do every, uh, every Friday, actually, right? And I remember we were playing Thriller, you know, and it was during yes. Halloween. Like, that, that should have been a big flag there. Yep. Ended up shutting us down, you know, couldn't go back, log on, live. So, you know, so we learned our lesson. So. We did, we did. <laughs> Facebook, Facebook taught us well. Yeah, Facebook don't play, you know. So you gotta, you just gotta, gotta watch it. <laughs> okay, so if this is your first time joining us, this is the period of the show where I try to take something from my previous experiences with helping someone buy a home or refinance a home, or even get pre-approved for a home, and take that and bring it to today, where you can take that knowledge and use it for yourself going forward. So today, it's really about putting yourself in a position to where you keep an open mind as you're looking for property. Usually when I sit down with first time buyers, a lot of them have a specific type of property, specific area, specific city, whatever it is. And unfortunately, some of the, some of the ideas that you have ahead of time may not work out with your finances. Because what I notice is a lot of the time, what people's perceptions are of the mortgage payment that accompanies the property they want, they don't come even close. You know, so I'll have someone that says, I want a single family residence in Orange County for 500,000, three bedrooms, two baths, and I want my mortgage payment to be $2,000 a month. Sign me up. Sign me up, Wes. You can make it happen. I know you can make it happen. Sign me up. Sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, the little place called the land of make-believe. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go there. Oh. Yeah. So I'm I, when I talk about this, I'm reminded of my very first time purchasing property. Picture it. Sicily. Night, I'm kidding. For you Golden Girls fans there. 
Oh, man. Golden Girls. Can I give it up for the Golden Girls? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So uh, this is back in like 2001. You know, I'm not far removed from college. Got my first, you know, my first job out of college and I wanted to purchase a property. And I'll never forget sitting down with the realtor that I was working with at the time. And one of the first questions that she asked, what cities were you interested in? What cities are you interested in? And at this point, I knew I wanted to live in Orange County. And these were my exact words to her. Anywhere but Garden Grove. That's what I told her. Anywhere but Garden Grove. Now, this is one of the reasons I tell people to keep an open mind, because a lot of the times your your notion, your preconceptions are just that you really don't have the information. So for me, the reason I said anywhere but Garden Grove, you know, I grew up in Santa Ana, which is like on the border, you know, of, of Garden Grove. Give it up for Santa Ana. Give it up for Santa Ana. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. For all our for all our Santa Anians that are watching, absolutely. Yeah. Give it up for Santa Ana. So you know, my experience with Garden Grove was very limited. I would, you know, there were parts of Garden Grove I would see when I'm on the border of Santa Ana, and maybe drove drove through it every now and again with my parents, but I didn't really know anything about Garden Grove. One of the reasons I didn't want to live there was because growing up in Santa Ana, we all referred to Garden Grove as Garbage Grove. I didn't do that. I never. Well, you know. So, long story short, we, you know, I've been looking for with my realtor. We've been looking for property for quite some time. I was in escrow on a property in Orange that had fallen out of escrow. Sellers uh, pulled the offer, but. She asked me one day, hey, there's this uh, property I want to take you to a condo in Garden Grove. Do you mind if we go look? I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take a look at it. So number one, the property was in a part of Garden Grove that was a great part of Garden Grove that I'd never actually been to. And it was right on, you know, Old Town Garden Grove, right there on Main Street. For most of you, you guys are probably familiar with it because of the Strawberry Festival. Which, does that take place on Memorial Day weekend usually? I think it does, right? Yeah, usually around this time. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. So I'd never been there before. But let me tell you, I got there. I saw the area. There's a really nice park outside the building. It was a really nice area. I've never been there before. It was close to the freeway, close to shopping. I could walk to, I could walk to Costco, which I've never had that situation before. And then when, when I got into the property... It was a very nice sized condo. I think it was only, I think it was uh, almost 1,500 square feet. I still miss my walk-in closet from there. It was one of the biggest walk-in closets I've ever seen in a condo. And long story short, I ended up buying that property. And I lived there for about six or seven years before I, you know, uh, bought the next property. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the city. I enjoyed the property. Uh, I really enjoyed the place. So had I not kept an open mind and, and said, no, I don't want to see that, who knows where I would have ended up and if I would have had something as nice and as large as I actually did. And like I said, I had no real reason to not want to live there. It wasn't too far away from work. It wasn't, you know, I had no real issues with it other than, 
like I said, whatever was going on in my own head about the city of Garden Grove. That was unsubstantiated. So when you're looking at the, when you start off in the process of looking for a home, yeah, you want to have an idea of what things you want and what are your must-haves or whatnot. But you also want to be flexible. You want to be bendy. Because most of you, especially as first-time home buyers, are going to have limited resources. And when you have limited resources, you have to be more flexible than somebody who doesn't. And the, the example I always give, if you know, if the average person is going to Vegas, you have to try to find the right hotel, the right deal, right time of year, all of that. You don't get to go to Vegas and say, yeah, give me the president's suite. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna that's not gonna be you right so if you know that you can't do that with your vacations then you should also know you can't do that necessarily with the first home that you buy either so just keep in mind as, as for those of you who want to buy a house at some point make sure you're flexible because after all and i'm going to leave you with this I knew at the time I was not going to live in that place for the rest of my life. It was a starting point. It was a stepping stone. And that's what it is for most people. The very first property is going to be a stepping stone. Most people don't buy one property and that's the place they live for the rest of their life. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I like that, man. I like that. That's definitely very well put, sir. Very well put. Absolutely. You know, and that's definitely something I express with, with our clients is this is where you start the race. And this is a marathon, right? You're not going to start a marathon. You're not going to finish a marathon the place where you start, right? So this is just the starting point. This is, this is why we call it a starter house for a reason, right? We're looking for your starter house, right? you know? And the thing is, you know, it's like a game monopoly. You know, you buy your starter house. Either A, you trade your starter house for the hotel. I'm just kidding with you, but you know what I mean. You start with your starter house, and then you buy that up leg or hold on to that starter house as an investment property and use that and buy, you know, your up leg, your bigger house. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, where you start is not where you finish. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So, there you go. yeah, absolutely. So, thank you for that, Wes, for that great Wes Files uh, sharing that for sure. Absolutely. So, in the news in the news, in the news. So Wes, what is in the news? What's happening right now? Well, one of the things that I think is important that's going on right now that could be very important to people in the real estate market and people in the real estate business, uh, many of you may know they're uh, working on an infrastructure bill. Okay, so it's being negotiated back and forth between uh, the Republican Congress as well as the Democratic Congress and, of course, President Biden. So why that's important, let me just tell you some of the things that are going to be included in this infrastructure bill when they finally come to an agreement. So they'll be funding for new roads, bridges, major infrastructure projects, uh, electric vehicles, public transit, water systems, broadband, airports, rail systems, ports, waterways, water storage, and safety efforts. Wow, so, right, that's a lot. It is a lot, and it's very mm -hmm. important. So the only thing holding it up right now, they're still negotiating, and there's still a little bit of a, there's still a gap. Some people might call it a canyon. 
but there's still a gap between uh, where they are on the scope of the bill or the size of the bill and how to fund the bill. So last, this last week, so Biden is at a number of 1.7 trillion. Uh, McConnell countered him at 928 billion and the sides are gonna continue to meet. They said they're inching closer toward it and they're both optimistic that something is going to get done at some point. Why that matters to you is number one, there's probably gonna be a lot of job opportunities once that bill goes into play. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for job opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. More jobs. I like that. Yeah, because they're going to need some worker bees to get that stuff done, right? Absolutely. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, think about what impact that is going to have on your property values. Mm. So if all of a sudden you live in a city where all the streets are new, you've got some cool new rail system, you know, you've got this everything set up for people who want to drive electric cars or whatever that's going to impact your property values as well. And if you don't have a property yet, that's going to impact what you're going to have to pay to get into the market. Right. So that's yeah, something absolutely. that's, yeah, that's something that's very important. And doesn't matter which side of the aisle you fall on, there's going to be a positive impact when this thing's finally done. There's going to be a positive impact for, like I said, homeowners and the public at large. Cause like I said, it's probably going to create a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunity. So We'll just keep a watchful eye on that to see how things progress over the next uh, month or so. But they're getting closer, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I like that. It's always, yeah, it's always great, right? And the thing is, if it's going to give more jobs, more opportunities, you know, for for people, you know, I'm always I'm always down for that, right? Because I mean, I definitely feel that's definitely something that we need more of. You know, we definitely right. need more job opportunities for people. And also improvement of, you know, roads, you know, cities, you know, things and infrastructure, obviously, you know, things of that nature. So I think that will just all around, you know, help the majority of people. Right. And yeah, so definitely looking forward to them. And the thing is, like you said, they're both optimistic. <laughs> so that's always a good thing. If they're both optimistic. Then there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. So obviously, you know, Wes and I will definitely keep you guys updated on on that progress in the infrastructure bill. So, yeah. yes. And then uh, one other thing I found interesting. So we got the NBA, play, NBA playoffs going on. NBA, yeah. Yeah. Let's go for the Lakers. Come on. Bring it home. Bring it home. Shout out to the Lakers for that uh, great win last night. <laughs> and uh, sorry for Clipper fans. They seem to be imploding right now. We'll see, though. We'll see. <laughs> So I thought it found it interesting that um, the fans are now piercing the veil, you know, because when you go to a sporting event, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you've been to them, I've been to them, you know, you can boo, you can cheer, you can do whatever you want, but you're not supposed to touch the merchandise. <laughs> you don't pierce the veil. <laughs> right? Right. I saw the other night, like, um, Trey Young, who plays for the Atlanta Hawks, they're now playing the Knicks in the playoffs. You know, someone spit on him during the game. Dude, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not down for spitting, man. No. Uh. Yeah, and then uh, Russell Westbrook, who plays for the Washington Wizards. You know, they're playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Some fan, you know, 
dumped popcorn on him the other day. Jeez. Poor behavior, man. Poor behavior all the way Jeez. I don't know. Maybe it's because they haven't been to a sporting event in a long time and these people are just going crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Jeez. I mean, but, you know, if if you get that worked up, mm-hmm. maybe you should just watch it at home in your living room. Jeez. You know what? They're they're lucky that it wasn't Ron Artest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yep. Before before it became Matter World Peace. Right. He, he, was, he was Ron Artest. So Ron Artest That's wasn't right. the person to play with. He run up in the, on the stands and, and you know... <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. get you. Yeah, like I said, and I mean, of course, you don't. That's not what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want the worlds to cross. Athletes stay on the court or on the field, and they do their thing. Fans stay in the in the stands. They do their thing, and never the two two shall meet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, uh, they get that figured out. And of co- of course, I know one of the fans has been banned for life. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So uh, hopefully they get that figured out. I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, man, what is going on right now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you know that these, um, you know that these games are severely restricted in the amount of fans that are allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that also means that whoever was there probably has, you know, comes from affluence. Yes, absolutely. They could afford to be there because those tickets are probably a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. Oh, man. You came from the boardroom and you you doing that? Come on now. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that's... really crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super crazy. Yeah. And then uh, just lastly, not to dampen the mood or whatever, and we don't get too deep on it, but. You know, for the um, the families of the and friends of the nine victims uh, earlier from this week in San Jose, um, you know, our prayers are with you, and um, you know, we hope you guys get justice. And it's a terrible, terrible thing, but it'll get better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, there's nothing really say about about what's been what's been happening for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just a terrible thing. You hate to see it. And, uh, you know, you just want to make sure you're supportive of the people that are left behind. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely prayers and good vibes go to go to the family. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to be in San Jose like every every couple of weeks, you know, because my uh, my wife is from San Jose. And, uh, you know, we're doing a long distance thing. For a um, years, and, that, so. and that actually worked. <laughs> I heard long-distance relations aren't a good thing, so that's good that yours worked. Hey, like all things, man, if you're committed, it works if you work it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Like it. All right. Yep. Yeah. Man, so it, it is May 28, 2021. And again, this year is going by super fast. Super, super, super duper fast. So, so Wes, we got planned this weekend. We got planned on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend, right? Uh, gonna do a little bit of um, golfing tomorrow. Not gonna play around, but you know, gonna go hit some golf balls. Um, may take in a movie. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to update everybody. So, 
We've been talking about Disneyland reopening. We've been talking about yes. talking about it. Yes. What do you got for us, man? Give us the answer. What do you have for us? Well, I just want to tell you, I, I was there. I experienced it for myself. How was so it? I was there last week. Was it everything it was- I dreamed? Was it everything I dreamed of? It was. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, the lines moved pretty fast. You know, most most of the rides you can get on within, um, I would say, 30 minutes. There were only like a handful of rides that I saw where they were like 40 minutes. So like um, Space Mountain and I believe maybe um, Indiana Jones. But yeah, the rides were, they, they moved. The lines moved very well. Uh, they did really good with the safety stuff. They had everybody spaced out in line. They made sure people maintained that space in line. They made sure people kept their mask on. You know, they wiped things down constantly. So I felt very safe being there. I felt very comfortable being there. And it was a good experience. So I can't speak for what's going to happen once they let everybody in, once the gate, because now you're going to be standing in line for three hours at a time again. But last week, it was really good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm glad you had a good time with the family at the Disneyland and all that good stuff. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to going sometime. I'm sure we have it on our to-do calendar for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely make sure to check it out. That's good, man. That's absolutely good. Oh, did you get to check out Star Wars Land? I know that's something that you were looking forward to checking out. Okay. How was it? How was it for you? It was good. It was good. Okay. I got to do the new Star Wars ride. Okay. Which was really fun. I'll tell you what though. If you're tall. <laughs> oh man, it was rough on the knees. Yeah. And Wes is like five foot four. So Kenny with you, Kenny yeah. with you. Dude's like yeah. six five. It's ridiculous. Wes, you're like the tallest out of your siblings and you're not even the oldest. So I'm I'm just saying, man, like if, like seriously, if I like the oldest and like you not even the oldest and you're like taller than everybody, I don't know. I, I would feel a certain way. I would feel a certain way about it. <laughs> hey, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. But nice. uh, but yeah, the, the Star Wars land was great. I went on a couple of the rides there, which were really fun. Um, got to experience the new Star Tours. It's been a long time since I was on Star Tours, so they changed the, the mission and all that. That was really cool. So yeah, it was a really good time. We did, you know, I did a bunch of the kiddie rides and yeah. Nice, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you guys can comment as well. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys have planned uh, this uh this holiday weekend, what are you guys up to? So make sure you guys comment, all that good stuff. So, yeah, man. So what are we doing this weekend? Um, I got a couple appointments tomorrow. We have a listing appointment, a buyer appointment tomorrow. And then uh, maybe try to, maybe one of these days, try and go to the beach again. Yeah, maybe we'll put that on my calendar. So make sure to do that. And I have family coming in out of town. So I'm sure we'll be spending a few days with them as well, hanging out. I think we're supposed to be barbecuing maybe Saturday or Sunday. I think I might have was supposed to pick up something. So I'll make sure I pick that up before I show up to the house. Because I'm, I'm not one of those people that like to show up empty-handed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's something that, that my, you know, I think my mom or, or someone taught me. Like, never show up to a person's house empty-handed. You know what I mean? Even though they tell you, oh, yeah, you don't need to bring anything. That's fine. Like, I always feel inclined to bring something. So I'll make sure to definitely have something in hand. So, yeah. As you should. Yes, as you should. Yes, all of you guys. So whatever you guys have planned for, for this uh, long weekend, you know, definitely make sure you bring something. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that don't doesn't bring anything, but you eat up all the food. You eat up all the food. You drink up everything. <laughs> you make a big mess. You know, but you don't help to clean. 
<laughs> but you leave. And the reason why I can say that, because I definitely have some, some, some family and some friends that do that kind of stuff. So if you guys are listening, I noticed you. I saw you. So if you show up and we're at the same event, I'm going to make sure to check to see what you brought. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And again, yeah, definitely. We love to hear what you guys are doing. So if you guys are on live right now, definitely chat in the box. What do you guys have planned this morning weekend? Or hey, if you catch the video later, comment in the box and, and share what you guys are doing uh, this holiday weekend. So make sure you do that. And Wes, is there anything else that we need to share? Huh? Anything oh, I else? think we sh- I think we shared enough, man. I think all right, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. We we might have overshared a little bit, but it's okay. That just means that we're closer. That means that we're closer to you, right? So exactly. yeah, so this is our first live that we've done, episode eight of you know, real talk with Coach Q in Broke West. Yeah, so until then, see you on the next episode, 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 episode.